Uh, me and Sister Dawn, we missed you guys greatly. We talk about you all the time. Every church we go to, we talk about you. And uh, we're adjusting to our new position. It hasn't been easy. 42 years pastoring, and then all of a sudden you're in another position. It's, uh, but I'm adjusting. This is where God wants us now. Uh, we put in 42 years pastoring, so now we're going to be overseers now. But we thank God that we're still here. And we'll still be able to do the work of the Lord and be a part of the kingdom work. Hallelujah. I'll be back. I'll be back in three weeks. Next time I'm coming to preach, okay? Hallelujah. Coming to lay it down. Hallelujah. Well, it's a, a great pleasure to be here today, but it's a great pleasure to have my friends, uh, brother, Pastor Anthony Marquise and his wife, Jeanette. These are people I've known probably over 40 years. Uh, brother Anthony was a businessman. I was a businessman. We're both successful in what we was doing, and God said, no, it's time. You got to do what I want you to do. And we both entered the ministry at the same time and been friends. Brother Anthony was on my staff in Chalmette for a couple of years, and uh, we had a great time together. We still have time together. We've been in foreign countries together, been in Russia together, been in Honduras together. There's a lot of things we have done together in the work of the kingdom. So praise the Lord. He uh, has just gotten back from Russia. He's also helped start churches in Russia. He just got back just recently, I think last week, huh? two weeks ago. And uh, he's well known in Russia. And uh, he's, he's a special guy. He's a real good friend of mine. He's also one of our presbyters here. So uh, you're going to hear uh, from an experienced man of God this morning. Let's welcome him as he comes. A few real good friends in life. That's one of them right there. He's a real friend. Amen. We've been together through many things. I just got back from Russia. I want to give you kind of an update. Uh, it's been five years, four and a half years since I was able to go back. Uh, my mother got sick, and uh, I took care of her. And then after that, we... Uh, COVID hit and I couldn't go back. They shut all the, the countries down. So finally, I got a visa to go back, which was a miracle in itself with all that's going on over there. But I want to let you know the churches in, in Russia are alive and well, and they're growing and they're building buildings and they're reaching out. They're planting churches. 20 in 1993 or 94, we planted two churches in Siberia. I went there this year at time. They got 22 churches. So they've been planting churches themselves, just uh, going about the kingdom business, amen. And they, they're really Christians, they're really excited about God, they're committed, they endure a lot of difficulties, but they, uh, they're going on, they're not looking back, amen. So I want to encourage you, don't look back. I got a word from the Lord while I was sitting there, and he said, the shock wave that hit this church is flattened out. And he said, I have a new wave coming. It's a wave of my anointing to bring souls in. So I want you all to be aware that you're going to be anointed to go out and witness and bring people into this church. 
The anointing's going to be here to do that if you go out, go into the world, preach the kingdom. If you don't go out, they're not coming in. Did you hear that? They're not going to just show up. You got to go out and share it with them and tell them how excited you are about the kingdom of God, about what God's doing in your personal life, and you have something that's alive and well. I am a living testimony of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brother Carl's a living testimony of the resurrection of Christ. If he didn't raise, we wouldn't be where we are. Amen. Because he's called us because of his, his living. He lives. Amen. He lives within us. <laughs> I want my wife to stand and just greet the church. This is a woman of experience. She's endured me for 54 years. Hallelujah. A great woman of God. Amen. When I went to Russia, she actually held down the church at my house for six weeks. She preached. That was the first thing, the first time for her. And she did, when I came back, they all told me she did such a good job, I can go back to Russia. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I want you to open your heart tonight, today. And uh, what will you do when he comes for you? That's a reality now. We're closer to that than ever before. He's coming. A king is coming. John the Baptist introduced him, said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind. You can't keep thinking like you thought before because now a new king is coming, and he's coming to rule and reign in this earth, and he's going to establish his kingdom, and all of those who are looking and anticipating for his coming those are the ones who are going to go when he comes back. So I always tell people, look, don't worry about pre, mid, post-tribulation or rapture. Just be ready. Amen. If, you, if you're not ready, don't worry about when it's going to happen because you're not going. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to get stuck here in this place. Amen. It's not going to be a good place. But let's look at uh, Matt, Luke chapter 14, and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that the power of your spirit is real. Your Holy Spirit is here. He is commanding the church to walk in obedience to your, to your will and your purpose. So, Father, I pray for the anointing to come on the word as we teach it, as we preach it, as we share it. Father, make it alive to the hearts of your people. Father, use me, a vessel, that's all, a clay vessel, to transmit the truth that you have given me in my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 20, 14, 25 says, And there was a great multitude with him, and he turned and he said unto them, Now look, this is, this is like thousands of people, thousands of people following Jesus. And he turns to them and he doesn't say, Look, you're going to be blessed. <laughs> you're going to get a bigger house. You're going to get a finer car. You're going to get a raise. All those things could happen. But listen what he tells them. He said, if any man come after me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He wasn't trying to encourage crowds to come. He told them the cost. The cost of Christianity. Jesus died, shed his blood <clears throat> for the whole world. But if you want to be a disciple, 
It's going to cost you everything. Do you want to go to church or you want to be a disciple? A disciple is one who follows Jesus. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> let me ask you a question. How do you plan on getting to heaven if you're following somebody other than Jesus? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to, to my Father unless he comes through me. So when I got saved, I read that verse of Scripture, and I told everybody in my family and my life and my kids and my wife, I said, if you try to make me choose between you and Jesus, you lose. You lose. There is no choice if he's Lord. So I made an early decision in my walk, and it's really paid off for me because when I made that decision, I've never looked back because I didn't cut everybody off. I said, all of y'all are lesser in my life than Jesus. Now, I love you. I care about you. But you're lesser. You're not a priority in my life anymore. And you have to make a decision. Jesus is first. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Then you can have your family and all those things, but you've got to have a priority. To be a disciple, you have to have a priority. That priority has to be Christ first above everything. And that's what he was telling those who were following him. He wasn't trying to solicit crowds. He was trying to engage disciples because he knew if you were not a disciple, when the storm came, you would not survive. But if you were a true disciple, no matter what happened to you, following him, you would be able to endure it and go through the process. Christianity is a process. From the day you get saved to the day you leave this planet, you're in a processor. Now, let me give you my example of the processor. I hunt a lot. I used to. And when you kill a deer, he's eating, he's having his time, he's doing his thing, and you shoot him. Bam. He falls to the ground. You go over there, and you drag him to your truck. Now, I know this is a little gruesome for people that are animal lovers, but you see, I love animals, too. They taste so good, my goodness. <laughs> So you throw them in your truck, and then you bring them to the skinning rack, and you hang them up, and you gut them, and you skin them, and you pull all that off of them. And then you quarter them, you cut them up, and then you debone them. You know, you take all the meat off, because most people make sausage out of them. And so you debone them, and you grind them up. This is the process of Christianity. You grind them up. We put a lot of seasoning in them. Amen. We season them, become seasoned Christians. And, and then we put them and we stuff them into these little gut sacks and we make sausage. We hang them in a smokehouse and we smoke them and then we give them away and everybody else gets to eat them. That's your life as a Christian. God's processing you to prepare you to give your life to other people. There's, there's very little in it for you except you get to be with him forever and ever and ever. <laughs> Which is, we sang a song we only want you, right? We don't want the things, right? We sing these songs, but do we really mean them? And that's what Jesus was telling them. And he said, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot, cannot be my disciple. So the cross is not something you hang on your neck and out like that and the earrings and the rings and all that stuff, but it's a physical burden that you take up every day and die to yourself on, in the process of following Jesus to Calvary. 
Now, this is really exciting, ain't it? I mean, I'm, I'm so excited this, I get to do this. That's not what you're hearing being preached today. But this is his message. He said, for which of you intending to build a tower, sit down not first and count the cost, whether we have sufficiency to finish it. I think one of the biggest problems in Christianity is that people don't count the cost to be a true disciple. So when the cost goes up, they get discouraged. Or when things don't go the way they want, they get weary. And the Bible says, grow not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall inherit if you faint not. So remember, you have to count the cost. What is the cost? Jesus plus nothing. Can y'all still love me? I'm t all I'm saying is what he says. Jesus plus nothing. If you are not willing to lay your life down and take up your cross every day, you cannot be a disciple. And the things of this life are going to get heavier. And he the cross doesn't get heavier. It gets lighter as you get to the end. But the weight of this world gets heavier every day if you're not carrying your cross. Because you're trying to carry the weight of the world on yourself instead of carrying the burden of Christ. He said, least happily after they have the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock. <clears throat> I think one of the worst things a Christian can do is stop. Because it's a mockery of the gospel that he preached. One of the things that keep me going is all the people that I have shared Christ with around this world. And if I quit, what does that say to all of them? If I backslide and I go back into the world, what does that say to all of these precious people that I've shared the glorious gospel with that said your life can be changed forever? I realize that if I fail, <coughs> that if I fail as a, as a pastor, as, a, as an apostle as I am right now, and I don't claim that lightly, I've just been thrown into that, but I am apostolic over churches. If I fail... I believe I'll lose my wife, I'll lose my kids, I'll lose my grandkids, I'll lose all of the people that I've preached to. I believe that, that I would be a devastating catastrophe in the kingdom of God. So not just for Jesus, but I consider the fact of all the people that I've ministered to and the consequences on their life. The Bible said if you cause a little one to stumble, he'll give you a millstone as a rewarding a reward, not a crown. So the fear of the Lord, everybody say the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of understanding how to live for Christ. If you don't fear the fact that one day he's going to hold your eternity in his hand and he's going to make a decision about you and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest, or he's going to say, depart from me who worked iniquity. I, I'm so afraid of that moment that I don't want to fall into the wrong category. Now, y'all are young Christians. Look, I, I'm, I hate to preach this to you, but this is the message today because we're in such a time right now that everything is transitioning. Amen? And I believe Christians have to be Christians in order to withstand what's going to come to this country. And then he says, they mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and counts and consults whether he is able to, with 10,000 men, to make him that comes with 20,000? 
So listen, you, you have a kingdom. Everybody say, I have a kingdom. It's a one-man kingdom. And you're going to be confronting Christ that has a kingdom of innumerable angels. So I think it's wise to sit down and say, maybe I need to negotiate a deal with him because I know I can't win this war. That's what he's talking about here. You need to at least sit down and say, there's a king who is coming with innumerable angels, and he's going to conquer the world. He's already conquered the devil. Now he's going to come and conquer the world. And all the kingdoms of this world are going to come against his kingdom when he comes. And the Bible says the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of my God. In other words, they don't win. They lose. So since I know the end of the story, if I'm against him, I lose. And if I'm with him, I win. I think I'm just going to make a decision. I'm going to serve Jesus with all my heart and all my mind and all my strength. And I'm going to wait for him to come. And I'm going to be diligent in what I'm doing for him. We all have a responsibility. When you join this church, you have a responsibility to be a part of it. Amen. To be a participator in the home groups and the trainings and the support of the church. That's a responsibility. But I have a responsibility to Jesus. To give him my whole life. Because he gave me his whole life. And if I want everything he has for me, I have to give him everything I have. And that's why Pastor Carl and I were business people making plenty of money, and God called us in the ministry. We just walked away from it because that was not important anymore. What was important that we knew the king. Do you know the king? He's not just a savior. He's a lord and a savior. And then he says this. He said, or else, while the other is yet in a great way off, he sends an uh, an ambassador, someone who will go there and desires conditions of peace. I want peace with Jesus. I'm not worried about peace with you. Because <laughs> you might change tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. Have you ever been somebody's best friend and their worst enemy all in the same year? <laughs> Amen. I mean, I'm married 54 years. One day we have peace. Next day we'll have a dis difficulty. And, and we've been together for 54 years. People change. But Christ never changes. I want peace with Christ. And then I can have peace with people. But until I have this internal peace with Christ, I can never get along with people because people keep changing. So if I have internal peace, I can have external peace. But if I don't have internal peace, I can't have external peace with anybody. Because if I got internal peace, I can be a peacemaker with other people. I can make my adjustments to live at peace with them as much as I can, because not all people want to live at peace with me. I know y'all don't understand that part, but anyway. He says, so likewise, whosoever be, he be of you that forsake not all. Everybody say, forsake all. Not half, not three quarters. Forsake not all that he has, cannot be my disciple. He says that three times in this one little block. Cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple. So let's pay attention when he says you cannot be his disciple if you don't do something. Then you need to make up your mind. You're going to do what he said so you can be his disciple. I want to be a follower of Jesus. 
I'm not a follower of man. Thank God. I am not a follower of man. I am not impressed with man. I'm not impressed with me, much less anyone else. I'm following one person, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, and that's the end of the conversation. And if you don't want to follow him, you're in another line. If you want to be in this line, follow Jesus. Are y'all okay with me? I'm not mad at nobody, amen. I'm mad at the devil. Now, the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give its light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. He said he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Your bank account, your house, your job, your financing, your emotions, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The only thing that will not be shaken is that which is founded in Christ. Christ is the unshakable kingdom, and he's the unchangeable person. So if you want to be not shaken, get in Christ, amen, and weather the storm. He is the ark that Noah built. He is that ark. And the storm shook and rattled and raved, but everybody in the ark was stable. So in the ark, we are safe, amen? So the world's going to be shaken. Everything can be shaken, will be shaken. And everything that's in Christ cannot be shaken and will be stable. So there's one place of safety in Christ, no place else. He said, and then shall appear the, son of, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all of the tribes of the earth mourn. Well, I thought it was going to be a glorious day. <laughs> no, no, not for most people. Most people, for the most part, are not going to heaven. It says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. So for the most part, when Jesus comes back, it ain't, it ain't going to be a happy day. You know the song, happy day? It ain't going to be one of them happy days. It's going to be... a how it says, a terrible, an awesome and terrible day. It's going to be both at the same time. Those who are looking for him, what an awesome day. Christ came back. But for those who are not looking, it's going to be a very terrible day. Now, he's not coming back with a smiley face and an angry face. He's just coming back. And whatever position you're in with him will determine whether it's a great or a terrible day. Are y'all hearing me? He said, um, and they will mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power, power and great glory. Man, I'm, I want to be on his side. Power and great glory. I don't want to be on the other side. And listen to this, and he shall send his angels with a great shout of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four wind and one end of heaven to the other. So he's going to gather us together. Amen. Those who are looking for him, those who are waiting for him, we will be gathered together with him. You don't have to worry if you're with Christ, what's going to happen. You don't have to worry about the tribulation. You don't have to worry about trouble. You don't have to worry about none of those things that are going to come to this earth because you're in Christ. But if you're not in Christ, oh, what a terrible day. What a bad thing. Let's look at the signs of the age in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming 
and the end of the world. Now, note the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said, take heed that no man deceive you. So when you read stuff like that, you say, okay, take heed that no man deceive you. So that means there's great deception out here, right? Right? If he said, take heed, at least no man deceive then that means there's deception. So you need to turn up your antennas and you need to say, okay, I'm not going to be easily deceived. I'm going to question. I'm going to test everything. I'm going to try every spirit. I'm going to know what's right and what's wrong. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, this is something I experienced as a very young Christian. I was so hungry, Brother Carl, for the Word of God. I was in my truck a lot, and back then, you know, the, the radio station had preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher. So I'd turn my radio and listen all day long. And the Holy Spirit would say, uh, that's not true. That's true. Uh, that, no, that's not me. This is me. And so all day, my spirit and Christ's spirit was filtering truth and error. And so as a young Christian, I didn't understand what was right or wrong. I was just open to learn the truth. And the Holy Spirit was guiding me through all of the messages that were being preached by all the different denominational preachers. And he was showing me what was right and what was wrong. And I thank God for that because if not, I'd have been like a termite and a yo-yo, man. I'd have been so screwed up, messed up, twisted up, listening to all the different preachers. But the Spirit of God in you is going to bear witness of truth and he's going to reject error. Listen to your spirit. Don't listen with your ears only. Listen with your spirit. Discern what's truth and what's error. The Holy Spirit will only reveal to you what Christ taught. He is not going to teach you something that he did not, was not taught by Christ. So everything the Holy Spirit says is true is true. And everything he says is error is error. Don't question it with your brain because your brain don't have a clue. Amen. I mean, you still think things your parents taught you that was totally wrong. So be careful. I mean, there's traditions that have been taught to us that your brain, your brain has no reference point of truth or error. None. Your brain can be taught anything. You go to Russia, they taught all the children Russians the language, right? They come here, they teach you English as a language, right? Well, I got two little grandchildren that are half Vietnamese and half American, and they speak both languages fluently. <laughs> so to them, their brain says, oh, both of these languages are true. Right. Me, you speak Vietnamese to me, I go, that don't sound true to me. I don't know what you're saying. But to them, their mind was able to accept both languages as true. So your brain can deceive you because most of us have been taught by people who don't know truth. I'm not criticizing your mom and your daddy and your grandma and your grandpa and your nanan and your papa, but most of them didn't know the truth. Amen. <laughs> not on my side of the family anyway. Are y'all with me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no man deceive you. Here it is again. Don't be deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I remember there was a little period of time back when everybody was a Jesus of I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus. It's all over, all over America that went, the whole thing went through. And because of that verse of Scripture, I didn't pay no attention to none of them. Because he said, don't pay attention to them. And he said, and you shall hear of wars 
Y'all hearing about any wars right now? Rumors of wars. Are you hearing about a possible nuclear war? Are you hearing about that? And see that ye be not troubled. So let not these things bother you. Don't be afraid of what the people are saying, the news media. Matter of fact, turn off the news altogether, and you will be a happy camper. If you want the weather, get your app on your phone, the weather app, and it'll tell you, and you don't have to listen to nobody. <laughs> he said, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So, hey, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. How's that? For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrow. So we're in the beginning, absolutely, we're in the beginning of sorrows, of something that's transpiring now, getting everybody in position so that they'll take the bait, they'll drink the Kool-Aid. Did you notice people in America before COVID, if you had to wait five minutes for your order at McDonald's, they pitched a fit? Now, any time of day or night that I pass the McDonald's in Miro, there's a line wrapped around with two cars deep waiting patiently for their McDonald's hamburger. Somebody preparing somebody to wait in line. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The lines are going to get longer. It's going to get more difficult because the world is trying to push out Jesus. Don't be deceived. Are y'all hearing me? I love y'all. I wouldn't tell you this. I'd let you just do what you want to do. I'm giving you a warning from a prophetic utterance that these things are coming. Prepare yourself. Don't be ignorant like the people who have no clue out there. That's why you need to go out there and tell them about Jesus because they don't have a clue. And yet we have truth and we're not even listening to what the truth is. He said, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up. Oh, man, it gets better, don't it? And now they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. <laughs> and they shall kill you. Oh, holy, glorious day, glorious day. <laughs> and you shall be hated, oh, man, by all nations. For my sake, as long as for his sake, you're in good company. Amen. But if you're a fool and they hate you, that's another story. I'm not worried about being hated for Jesus' sake. I'm already hated for Jesus' sake. The devil hates me. You know, the devil and I finally came in agreement. He hates me and I hate him. Now we're in agreement, you know. And then shall many be offended. Here's the problem. Don't get offended when you're rejected for Jesus. Just keep loving them. Just keep loving your enemies. Do good to them who do evil to you. Don't be offended. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Once you are offended, once you have bitterness in your heart, you are an open door for demonic activity. An open door. So if somebody offends you, wear it like a medal. I remember one man was on the street witnessing, and a man spit in his face. And he walked off. He said, I'm going to wear that like a medal. He didn't get offended. He took it as a compliment 
Why? Because that demon-possessed person hated the Jesus in him. They're going to hate the Jesus in you, so when they do something, just throw your little head up a little higher and walk on by. Just walk on by and don't get mad. Amen. Go home and look at him and say, oh, God, I thank you for that medal. Hallelujah. <laughs> People get offended when they be rejected for Jesus. That's crazy. That's the time to shout. That's the time to rejoice. Next time, to re just do a little dance. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so glad y'all hate me for Jesus' sake. He said, then they're going to hate you. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Again, be not deceived. There's many people out there. And I just read something about some woman. I don't, want, I don't remember my name. I don't even want to remember. She says she has access to heaven anytime she wants to go. She just goes to heaven, checks it out. She saw babies riding dinosaurs. and I mean, come on, Ferris wheels. Come on, give me a break. And she's only worth $8 million, so a lot of fools are giving her money. She came up with some stuff. I, did, I quit reading. That makes me want to go over there and find her. <laughs> many false prophets. How many? Many. Not a couple. Many false prophets. And they shall deceive how many? Many. And because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, let me ask you, do you believe that's happening right now? Iniquity is flourishing, and people have no love. They beat people. I mean, kick old people on the street, walk up to them, cold cock them. <clears throat> then when they get on the ground, three or four will stomp on them. I can't believe this. I can't believe a grandmother just killed their baby and threw it in the uh, granddaughter and threw it in the trash can. The iniquity has caused the love of many to grow cold. They don't care no more. They don't love no more. They just like animals. This is because the scripture is true. We're coming into that age, folks, to where it is not going to be nice. Because the people who are of the devil could totally disregard you and Christ and everybody else. They could steal from you. They could kill you. They could walk up to you and put a bullet in your head and feel, no, and feel nothing because their love has waxed cold. People become like animals without Christ. Amen? It's amazing to me. This is all coming to pass right here now. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Let's go, church. Now we're, he's telling us what to do, right? And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So I, we have a job to do. And in spite of all the bad stuff that's out there that he warns us about, we are to be bold as lions, and we're to go out in the street, and we're to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, the, gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Let me explain that. The good news that King Jesus is now king of all, Lord of all, and his kingdom is in us, and we have to submit to the king. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's why it's good news, because now Jesus is king and Lord of all. That's what they have to preach. 
not come to church and get saved, but submit yourself to King Jesus and let him rule over you. Amen? If Christ is not ruling over you, he's not your king. Everybody wants him to be his savior. Amen? Oh, I'm not going to go to hell. But when he wants to be Lord, oh, that's another story. Now, here's the problem. I just led a couple of men to the Lord, and I told them, I said, now listen to me. Listen. You're going to invite King Jesus into your life, right? Yes. I said, now, if I moved into your house, you would know I was there, right? <laughs> I mean, you come home, I'd be sitting on your couch. <laughs> I'd be opening your refrigerator when you're trying to get something out, and I'd be in front of you. I'd be in the bathroom when you had to use it. I mean, you'd know I was there, right? I said, so you're inviting a king to come in your life. Once he comes in, now it's an inside job. Now he's going to start doing stuff inside of you you didn't want him to do. He's going to start dealing with things in your heart, the deep, dark things in your life. He's going to open up every door of your heart and examine it shine his light in it and everything that's darkness is going to have to bow down because the light has come now when you want king jesus into your heart you invited the king of kings and the lord of lords who will not bow a knee to anyone but who commands everyone to obey that's what salvation is really about him saving you from you now how many of y'all need to be saved from you Okay, so you realize the person next to you is not the problem. Amen. So your spouse is not the problem. Your in-laws are not the problem. Your siblings are not the problem. The government's not the problem. The problem is in the mirror. You. So you have to bow your knee to the king to be free from you. Oh, yeah. Am I helping anybody? <laughs> Let's look at Matthew 4, 24, 42. Watch ye therefore... For you know not the hour that the Lord comes. He, nobody knows when. Jesus don't know when. Amen? So people say, Jesus knows everything. I said, no, he don't. He don't know everything. He doesn't know when the Father's going to send him back. Read the Bible. I'm not saying he's less. He said himself. No one knows. He said, but know this. <laughs> That if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have his suffered his house to be broken up. So look, if I get a call from the thief and he says, I'm coming to your house at 1215, <laughs> you know what he's going to find? He's going to find an AR. <laughs> and he's going to find a 9 millimeter, And he's going to find a 12-gauge automatic. He's not going to find my stuff. He's going to find a way out of my house as quick as possible, right? But if I don't know he's coming and I go off and he comes, he could steal everything I got. So he's warning us. He said he would not have had his house. Therefore, 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 because of that, because if you don't know when the thief's going to come, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. So watch this. If I don't know when Jesus is coming, I don't know. He don't know. Paul don't know. Moses don't know. <laughs> if I don't know when he's coming, 
it would pay me to be ready all the time. Does that make sense? So how many days do I have to live for Jesus today? I don't have a tomorrow, and I don't have a yesterday. So if he didn't come yesterday, and I don't know if he's going to come tomorrow, but I can live for him today. So how ready do I have to be today? I have to serve God today. That's all I have. When I wake up in the morning, I got today. It's always today, folks. It's never tomorrow, and it's never yesterday. Just keep your heart right today. Somebody offends you, forgive them. Somebody hates you, bless them. Somebody tries to steal from you, give them something. Just, just bless them. Get them out the way. Amen. Don't, don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them control you. I'll never forget one day when I, I was not saved and I bought a brand new car. And uh, I went to the parking lot over by Walmart. And I came out and I looked at my car and there was a big hickey on it. You know, somebody hit my door. I wasn't saved. And so I looked at the door next to me, and there was my gold paint on the edge of his door. I saw the people walking away. So I took my door, and I just went, bam, 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 bam. Because I wanted them to come tell me something. Why? Because I was full of me. They hurt my stuff. So then the Lord gave me a car for free, a brand new one. And I went to Walmart, and I came out, and there was a hickey on it. And I looked, and there was the paint. And I said, Lord, somebody just hit your car. <laughs> what you going to do about that? I'm going home in peace. I'm not going to be beating nobody's door up. It's not my car. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. If God wants to let people put hickeys all over you, just accept it. Does that make sense? Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom the Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Who is that person? Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find him doing. Not believing, but doing. Faith without works is what? Dead, being alone. So the Lord's going to look at what you're doing the day he comes back. So how many days do I have? Today. How often do I have to do this? Today. How long do I need to be faithful? Today. How long do I need to love God more than me? Today. How many times do I need to forgive you? Today. How many times do you offend me? It don't matter. Today I got to forgive you. Okay, that went over real good. Anyway, <laughs> verse 47. Verily I say unto you, he that shall make him ruler over his, all of his goods, but he said if he finds him faithful, he's going to make him ruler over all his goods. Can you imagine if I'm being faithful, God's going to give me everything he's got? <laughs> Man, that blows my mind away. That last, that last lottery, $1.2 billion, ain't nothing compared to what I'm going to get. And I can save my dollars on the lottery, too. <laughs> he will make me rule over all his goods. But and if that evil servant, listen to this. If I'm doing what he says, I get everything. But if I'm an evil servant and shall say in my heart, the Lord delays his coming. In other words, I get very lackadaisical on my service for Christ. I've been hearing this for years. I've been hearing this thing for years. You know, he's not coming. No, he's not coming. How do you know he's not coming? Nobody knows when he's coming. He might come now. 
But here's the thing you got to realize. He comes in every man's lifetime. Because when you breathe your last breath, you're standing in his presence. And what was your condition when you breathed that last breath? That's what he's talking about. And he said, if he delays his coming and shall smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not. Now watch which one, which one he's coming for. He's coming for the one who's not looking, right? He's going to come in that day. Now the people who are looking for him, it don't matter when he comes. But those who are not looking, he said he'll come in that day and watch what he's going to do. And that hour when he's not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. I don't want to be thrown in that pit with the hypocrites. And that shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I first got saved, I told God, I didn't go to church because of all the hypocrites. You know what he told me? He didn't say, well, you're right, Brother Anthony. You know, I appreciate that information. I wasn't aware of that. You know, I, he said, well, then don't be one, Anthony. <laughs> what a shock. You know, I didn't go to church because of them hypocrites. Well, then don't be one. So I made my, when he told me that, I'm serious. I was a very young Christian. I made my mind up. I'm not going to be hypocritical. If I got something in my life that's wrong, I'm going to say it's wrong. If I sin, I'm going to say it's sin. If I don't love you, I'm going to tell you, look, I, I need to be forgiven because I'm having a hard time loving you. But I'm not going to look at you and smile and hate your guts. I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell you I don't like you, and I'm going to tell you I'm struggling with that, and I'm going to tell you why I don't like you. But I'm not going to say, oh, I love you so much. You're lying, hypocrite. Don't do that. Just say, look, I am struggling with you. <laughs> help me. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm forgiving you. Now help me. Let's work through this, okay? So then watch this. Here we go, and we're going to close with this. Then shall the kingdom of God of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Now, virginity means pure, right? Okay. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. The lamps mean light. All means anointing. Five of them were wise, and five were what? Foolish. So we can tell there's five wise, five foolish. Then they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom had tarried, and they all slumbered and slept, they all went to sleep, they all were pure, they all had lamps, they all had oil, right? When they went to sleep. And said, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. And all these, all those virgins arose, all at the same time. They all trimmed their lamps at the same time, right? They were all still in good shape. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us some of your all, for our lamps are going out. They went out. Their light went out. You're the light of the world. Don't let your light go out. Stay anointing. All means anointing. Live in the anointing. Live in the anointing of Christ. He said, but the wise answered and said, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. Well, that sounds kind of selfish as Christians, right? But the fact is, I can't give you anointing. The anointing is not mine to give. 
the anointing comes from God for each one of us to do what we're supposed to do. So I need to maintain my intimacy with Christ and the Holy Spirit to walk in the anointing of Christ. The, the anointing is not us. It's Christ. So I can't, I can't, I cannot give you Christ. I can introduce you to Christ, but you have to choose Christ. You follow the thinking here? So he said, but rather them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. No man knows the hour, but the bridegroom came. Now there was a trumpet for those who were aware, and they got up to go meet him. But the other ones were foolish. And they were ready, and they that were ready went into him, with him, into the marriage. And the door, this is important, and the door was shut. Now, who shut the door? It wasn't those Christians that went in. It was Christ. Christ determines when it's over. We all live in the age of grace right now. We are under the influence of God's Holy Spirit, his grace. It's poured out all over the earth right now. Every person out there has a witness in themselves that Christ is risen. Believe me, for the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. So there is no excuse out there anymore. Read Romans 1. There is no excuse. They know something in their spirit about the fact of eternity. And we have accepted Christ, right? And we know Christ. And he tells us to serve him every day, one day at a time, right? Is that all correct? I mean, I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm trying to just make sure you are agreeing. He said, watch ye therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. He shut the door. And the door was shut. And afterwards, in verse 11, came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now, they say in the right words, Lord, Lord. But watch this. Lord, Lord means final authority. I make all the decisions. They say in Lord, Lord, but they didn't submit to the Lord, Lord. Now, many of us call him Lord, but we don't do what he says. If you don't do what he says, he's not your Lord. How many of y'all know that song? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Well, what else are you going to tell the Lord? Maybe. Later. I'll pray about it. One day I'll get around to it. No, no. It's yes. It's always yes. When God speaks, it's always yes, 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 yes. Whenever God says something to you, say yes, Lord. And then begin to act on it. That's lordship. So then. He said it, but they answered, said to him, uh, he said to them, I don't know you. Verse 12, I don't know you. You're calling me Lord, Lord, but I don't know you. Why don't I know you? Because today you were not serving me today. That's scary, ain't it? Thirty-six, But of the day and the hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Now, Noah, and I'm going to close here. The whole world was perverted. 
The Bible said that every thought of every man was in a, in thought of imagination was continually evil. Can you imagine a people with no good thoughts? I mean, that's reprobate. Your mind's totally reprobate when you have no good thoughts. So if a man has no good thoughts or imagination, there is no hope for him. So God settles the issue. He said, the end of man has come before me, and I'm going to destroy this whole world. So then he tells Noah that, but I found you and your family as righteous in this generation, so I want you to build me an ark. So the debate over the ark is how long did it take to get built? Some people say 100 years. Some people say 60. Some say 120. Regardless, let's say it's 120. God gave them 120 years after he decided they were totally reprobate. To repent. He gave them 120 years watching Noah build this ark. Now, we have 2,000 years of Jesus Christ raising from the dead. And this generation has no excuses because the Holy Spirit's been poured out. And the church is even more accountable for judgment shall begin where? At the house of God. So if God don't judge the house first, he can't judge the world because we have more information than the world. So Noah builds this ark. And God said, okay, Noah, come in. He goes in with all the animals in. And who closes the door? God shuts the door. Who made the decision that today was the last day of entry into the kingdom? God. When people tell me, say, well, Brother Hampton, I can serve God my whole life and, then, and, and just give up and, and I don't make it in. I said, look, that ain't my choice. God warns us here. Now, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to get there and debate with God when I get there. But you, you are a righteous God. You, I served you my whole life, and, and you, the last minute, I, I decide to backslide, commit adultery, and go kill somebody, and I'm not going in? Are you going to argue with God about that? Not me. Because when he says the part, there is no jury. There is no appeal court. It's over. So if I really believe, help me now, if I really believe he's Lord and there is no other way, then don't you think I need to be diligent about my service to him? That's my choice. He gave me a free will to choose him, to serve him, to love him freely. He could make us robots, but he will not do that because God is a God of love. And God freely chose to send his son and his son freely chose to surrender his will to go to the cross because he loved the father now do you love God that's the bottom question then if you love me you'll keep my commandments so being a person who has struggled with many many trials and temptations as a young Christian. I was always focusing on not sinning because I didn't want to sin against God. I've always had a holiness message in me because the Holy Spirit was in me. I always preached holiness, I think, a lot of times to keep me straight. But one day I was looking at the scripture and I saw this verse and the Lord said, Anthony, you don't have a sin problem. You have a love problem. <laughs> what a revelation. He said, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. So at that moment, I shifted from trying not to sin to focusing on loving Jesus with all my heart and my mind and my strength. And guess what happened to sin? It just went away. I'm not focused on it. Amen? If you want to go on a diet to lose weight, you're going to focus on food. Wrong focus. Focus on exercise. Focus on fasting. Focus on something else. But don't focus on food because you're going to always want food. Amen? You want to live holy, focus on loving Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If I love my wife, I'm going to be faithful to my wife. Amen? This, this couple right here, you're talking about faithful people right there. Because there's an incredible love between those two people. They don't ever have to worry about who's sleeping with who. That's never going to happen there. You understand what I'm saying? Now, AIDS does help that problem. Some, but I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. When they were young and vibrant, you didn't have to worry about that because they were in love. They were in love. Amen. And if you're in love, you're going to be faithful, right? Am I right? So what is the real issue here? It's loving Jesus more than yourself. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit.